Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Adam Pranica. I am also your host, Benjamin R. Harrison. I don't really have an open, do you, Ben? God, I don't either. It feels, feels like it's been a long time when, we, when we've just sort of walked into a show without anything to talk about. What are we going to do with this expansive two to seven minutes that we spend at the top of every show not talking about what people came here to hear us talk about? Do you want to open up more cards? I would do that. All right, let's do that. The game is five cards done. The game is exceedingly simple. Or this is just the card data. Time to pluck a pendulum. Okay, let's open them up. You know, I was uh, I was thinking last episode when we were recording that, I still only have two... Uh, signed cards. I mean, I had that uh, one that was like signed by Juan Ortiz, but that's embossed signature. Like, it's, he didn't actually put a pen to that card. You know, Ben, that means uh, in the gambler's fallacy parlance that you're due. Hmm. Yeah. Well, this is. I think. I think they're including this one. Seven packs left. So I know that there's one in one of these. We're at the point in the in the box that these are all repeats. At Ooh, least for me. I got Best of Both Worlds Part 2. You don't say. Yeah, I don't think I had that one before. How's that look? Looks great. Show me show me in the camera that we're now using. Hey. Kind of dark, but uh yeah. It's kind of a uh I think it's meant to meant to evoke the uh, the flare on the lens that they got whenever Patrick Stewart would nail it with that laser mm. attached to his head. We didn't really talk about in that when we recorded those episodes, like how good he was at doing that. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like there must have been some luck involved, but I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's a real skill. I think I think uh, like the the beam has to hit the lens somehow mm-hmm. and and it's hard to aim something at something you're not looking directly at oh but i guess he was always talking to we should mention uh as we do every once in a while that we're opening up uh star trek the next generation portfolio prints trading card season one yeah and by that i mean series one <laughs> uh, otherwise known as the odds yeah we've heard that they got renewed for season two <laughs> the evens yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do I got? I got Deja Q. I've got um, Homeward. Oh, this is that one where we meet Worf's foster brother. And then I've got one for The Enemy, that, that one where Jordy falls down the falls down the well. Yeah. And uh, he meets a bread box down there. Yeah. And then my last one is uh, is for a comic book cover. And it's for Children of Chaos. What, what's it look like? I guess it's a comic book about uh, about some non... Oh, I guess this must be the Stargazer, because it's got like a depiction of, of Patrick Stewart with a full head of hair. And uh, let's see, it says... Well, is, Captain... it a, uh, is it a fade? <laughs> High top fade? It's a... Uh, I wish. It's, 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 real, um, it's a real square haircut put it that way. It says, well, Captain of the Stargazer, 
Picard won a trial by combat on Chalna, enraging Chalnoth advisor Pathox. In the present, the Enterprise finds the Federation ship Aquitaine and the Chalnoth vessel Blade in orbit above a planet. Their crew's missing. Also investigating is the Chalnoth, Chalnoth warship Bludgeoner, captained by Pathox. I had to take Aquitaine a little bit during junior high to help cure my acne. Oh yeah, did you get a little uh, of the signature anal bleeding that that (laughs) drug is so strongly associated with? Still do. (laughs) Uh, You get anything interesting in your pack? No, I got nothing. Nothing? I mean, they're all repeats. Dang. I got got, uh, 11001001 Masterpiece Society. I got Emergence and The First Duty. All repeats. We're, I'm basically in this for you, Ben. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we're waiting. Because you don't waiting have... Waiting with bated breath for your next signature card. You, you, you don't... There's no, there's no uncertainty for you. You have all, the, all, of, the, all of the big cards that you're going to unwrap. You've already unwrapped. I do. I got my, uh, got my Sterling Macer Jr., my Charles Dennis, and my... Very foxy J.C. Brandy. I mean, in, in some ways I envied you when you opened all those, but now I kind of like the fact that I still have... I still have a lot of potential in my in my packs. What if you get a fucking whoopee? That would be incredible. What if we've read wrong and there's a fucking Jaeger in there? It would be one of the best moments the show's ever had. <laughs> that would be... I, I don't, I, we, we might have to just end the show on that high note, you know. We gave away three Jaegers on our tour, yeah. and I've yet to see them pop up on eBay, which I think is a good sign. I was very stern with everyone who we gave Jaegers to not to sell them on the open market, and true to their word, they've not done that. Yeah, they did you right. Uh, well, uh, The Jaeger bubble remains. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, nobody has taken you up on your $1,000 Jaeger, have they? Not yet, but I'm confident one day they will. Speaking of, uh, of inflation, I believe our overly inflated Marin Open has come to a close. <laughs> what do you Boy. say we talk about an inflation of another kind? The inflation of a belly. <laughs> it's season four, episode 23, <laughs> The Host. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. This is a captain's log being recorded by Dr. Crusher. And, a lot of guest uh, logs. Yeah. This is two, two, two lady logs in a row, <laughs> uh, which is nice. I like, uh, I like episodes that are not from the perspective of the straight, cisgendered white male characters all the time. Most- most ladies deny that they ever do logs at all. <laughs> this is the 24th century, Adam. I think that we've gotten past that kind of mythology. You ever walk into a bathroom after a lady does a log? <laughs> it's horrifying. <laughs> In some ways, they're more powerful than we are. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a, there's a lady log in this episode, but there's no lady loaf. Nope. Till the very end. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. Soiler alert. <laughs> uh, 
the uh, the doctor is uh, is pretty excited because she's just gotten a letter from Wesley. He's doing great at the academy, but also she's got a boyfriend. And uh, and we come out of a uh, exterior shot of the ship to like a an ECU on some face sucking going on. It is really close up. There is so much face sucking in this episode. It's almost like an uncomfortable overuse of super close up kissing. Like they're they've already gone through the like the like getting to know you part of their relationship. They're fully in like excited honeymoon mode. Yeah. With this relationship and uh it's it's Dr. Crusher and this guy Odan who is a lightly loafed ambassador from Trill and he uh is a mediator and they're going to help take he's kind of a a similar type character to Ginger Jesus in that they are Ubering him to a planet where there's some hostilities taking place and he is going to he's going to defuse the situation and uh get everybody back on peaceful terms all the great diplomats have a couple of traits ben you got your deep v <laughs> yeah and do you have your late 80s early 90s david copperfield hair <laughs> yeah, they really do have that that same haircut yeah it's feathered like the cover of a disco album. Yeah. He's looking great. Yeah. They are smooching in the elevator, and Data hops on. Ambassador Odan, Dr. Crusher. I was just on my way to speak to you. Uh, at, at one of the floors, and is like, I'm interested in collaborating with you on some of the research we've been doing on this planet we're heading to. And uh, if you've got a couple hours to spare i can i can brief you on my findings and like they're definitely headed off to to bone down so they need to kind of they need to kind of get out of this situation and so they kind of construct an elaborate fiction that unfortunately i'm not feeling very well and the doctor is gonna bring you a hypo spray to take care of it so she's got an excuse to get away from commander data do you think they're very lucky that it was Data that hopped on board the turbo lift instead of Jordy? Because <laughs> Jordy could have seen through his visor what was actually happening. Yeah. You can hide a boner lean from Data. You can't hide it from Jordy. It is so cruel and unnecessary to lie to Data. Yeah. What's it going to hurt to tell the truth? Just say, Data? like, Data, please don't tell anybody else about this, but Odan and I are going to go bone down. And... uh and we just don't have time to work with you right now. Yeah. It's like confiding in a blender. It's not going to hurt his feelings. <laughs> exactly. Like, they they are acting the way they might have around Jordy and gotten, yeah. and gotten busted. No reason yeah. to act like that around Data. And they know him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Weird choice. Weird choice. Anyways, um, they split up and uh, Odan goes back to his quarters and he's like... You know, getting ready for the sexing and uh, and gets his shirt open and um, he is rocking like a a proto quato, like his his belly is like moving around and rippling and bulging. He has a sort of erection right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, he's like a. It's like a pregrection, because <laughs> it looks a little bit like he's uh, he's got a baby in him. He's really got some grumble guts, Ben. <laughs> like he, like he went out and uh, and had some some food truck food that didn't agree with him earlier. Looks like he might be in some trouble. Yeah. Well, uh, he might want a pre-pepto before his date gets there. Yeah, and he's got a pre-pepto in the form of a weird device that he like shines on his belly, and it like calms down the the whatever is moving and rippling around in there. So we go to our title sequence, and we come back, and they're definitely like it's it's a weird thing because they're like. He's got, like, post-coitus clothes on, uh, but she's, like, back in uniform, and she's got to go to work. And he's trying to, like, he's trying to, like, hey, why don't you come back and roll around with me one more time? And uh, this is a weird episode because um, I read that uh, Gates McFadden was pretty pregnant while they shot this. Whoa. And so they do a lot of, like, her... Her doctor smock is always closed in this episode, uh, which does a little bit to hide it. But she's like seven months in, and wow, and uh, and they definitely like had to put the camera in places that it might not have normally been uh, to obscure the fact that she has a, a fairly serious belly of her own. Look at you doing research. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Like it. Uh, I, I kind of knew that that had happened at some point because it also happened in Voyager with the uh, engineer in that mm-hmm. in that series, Bolana Torres. Like one in one season, she just has like a a smock on the whole time, and it's like never really commented on why she has a smock, and it's because she was pregnant and they needed to hide the fact that she was pregnant because it wasn't like being written mm. into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like like Gates McFadden had to do this like really kissy super schmaltzy huggy kissy kissy part while she's like very heavily with child (laughs) it made it real weird for me to watch i think the the actor commentary track would be super fascinating from this show both from his and her perspective yeah yeah, because he's got the belly bulging out, so does she, so they have to really lean over to get to get their kisses in. Yeah. Just the body language alone. They have to really Eiffel Tower that over their bellies. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, the, uh, the delegates come aboard, or like I guess the first, there's going to be three delegates, right? Like there's, there's the kind of uh, the governor of the main planet, tells them about these two moons that each have their own sort of nation state on them and the and the people on each moon hate each other's guts and there's some sort of energy system on one of them that's fucking up the ecology on the other one and they're and they're mobilizing for war and odan is the only person in the galaxy who can talk them down off this ledge and i guess his his father was the diplomat that negotiated an accord in a previous generation so so they're very hopeful that odan can kind of like keep this legacy going but you know the situation is tense and these 
very loafed up, very strange looking aliens are uh, pretty pissed off at each other. And so Odin is going to go, I guess, down to like one of the planets and try and talk some sense into all of them. And so they're like, cool, well, we'll beam you down, buddy. And he's like, excuse me, Captain, I prefer to shuttle to the surface. He's like a McCoy slash Pulaski type, doesn't trust the transporter. And this is common enough to where this doesn't raise any eyebrows. They're like, sure, we'll uh, stick in a Previa with Riker, (laughs) our best pilot. (laughs) Won't be a problem. Yeah, which is classy move, right? Like they don't put him in a, they don't put him in a bunk bed. No. They're like, you're not, you're not going in one of our flat pack shuttles. You're going in one of the nice ones. And uh, so they get on board and, uh, and like, you know, I guess Crusher and him like kind of have a, have a nice like kiss goodbye kind of thing. I think before this, uh, Troy has like, has like explained to Dr. Crusher that everybody is onto her, like her, like she thinks she's real slick, like her relationship with Odan is not common knowledge on the ship. And she's like, she's in, she's having a little spa day and, uh, and Troy comes in and he's, she's like, Hey, so you're in love. And, uh, and Crusher's like, heavens me. I have no idea what you're talking about. And Troy's like, everybody knows you, you two fucking. This scene is so awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't they have put on some leotards and done a workout? It just plays into the way that female friendships are portrayed on the show versus male friendships. Mm -hmm. When you're in a male friendship, (laughs) <laughs> you meet up in ten forward over some beverages. You meet up in the in the phaser target range to talk things out. Mm-hmm. When you are a lady type person, you meet in the spa. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's unfortunate. You know? Yeah. Like, like they don't have to put an eye mask on Beverly. They don't have to put her cuticles in in the green tea. You know? Yeah. And on the one hand, I can appreciate the idea that a ship of this size with the diversity of its crew should cater to girls who want girl time. And I think that's good, right? Like that's good. And we should see that in a scene like this, but But we should also see like, like if, if this is such a, if this is such a, you know, progressive future, like shouldn't Worf go for like a Manny Petty every so often. Sure. Yeah. Get a, get some frosted tips. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it is the early 90s ben Worf and kalar go for his and hers brazilians oh man gonna have to go over that a couple of times i imagine <laughs> several rips yeah so troy just sort of uh relationship explains beverly a little bit into, <laughs> she sort of calls attention to the idea that that she might be honeymooning and Beverly's like, but I, but this feels so real. This feels, this doesn't feel like that sort of fake new relationship shit. I really like this guy. And I think we might be into it for the long term. Yeah. And they sort he, of leave it at that. He might be the one. Yeah. So anyways, uh, Odan gets on this, on this shuttle. And at this point, Crusher knows the cat's out of the bag. So she, uh, she's openly affectionate with him as he leaves. And, uh, it's pretty quick that we know that this shuttle is going to be in big trouble. And the way that we know that is Data gives copious updates on its status as it leaves the ship. Shuttle has cleared the bay door. I feel like whenever Data is telling you like way more than you need to know about what's going on with the shuttle, you know that trouble is, is not <laughs> yeah. far around the corner. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, a, 
a ship claiming to be a an escort from one of the moons uh, comes out from a shadow and starts uh, starts taking pot shots at the shuttle. And um, for some reason, the Enterprise does not defend the shuttle. Like, I feel like if you've got like the shuttle has just left and the mothership is right there, like, and they're like, "Oh fuck, those guys are shooting at our guys." They don't, you know, like why doesn't Worf just bullseye him with one of the phasers? This is like a Gulf of Tonkin moment, right? Like, <laughs> like their their shit's getting blown up a little bit, and they don't return fire. They don't yeah. return fire, I guess, because they don't want to start a war. It's never really explained. I feel like you it can, isn't. I guess you, I guess, I guess the situation is really tense. So, any destruction of Material could be the the match in the tinderbox, but yeah, I feel like you're allowed to defend yourself or at least extend the shields of the Enterprise around the shuttlecraft. I mean, it just left. I think there are a lot of problematic issues that they have with these shuttles. It seems like anytime a shuttle gets close to a planet's atmosphere, it's a goner. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing they can do about it. And in the same way, uh, as soon as this shuttle leaves the nest, they're unable to defend it in any way either. Yeah. There's shuttle rules, and then there are uh, starship to starship rules, and I feel like those are totally different on yeah. this show. That's true. Um, well, anyways, in the process of ducking some of this phaser fire, Odan falls out of his seat, and uh, we have a medical emergency. And so, like, they get him back to six bay. And he's, like, on death's door. And, and he's like, hey, listen, like, you're getting weird readings on that tricorder because this, and he, like, points to his face, this ain't me. And then he's, he points down to his belly. And he goes, this is me. And Crusher is standing over him, and the belly starts rippling around, and she's like, what the fuck is that? Get this guy 40 cc's of gas X. Now! <laughs> it is a guiding principle of a dark beating face. You can't find it within yourself to stand up tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. So it turns out, Odan is not a man. He is, he is a man with a symbiont in him. There's a parasite or a, uh, or a creature that is living symbiotically with, with him. The humanoid part is just the host, and the mind and personality live in this in this thing that lives inside of him. And he's saying like the the host is dying. There's nothing say there's nothing to say that the symbiont has to die though. Like just just call up the people at Trill and they'll send a new host out. They'll be here they'll be here just in the nick of time. But it's like a Grand Theft Auto situation. The Trill <laughs> has crashed his car. Uh-huh. And he needs to get out of this car and get into another. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, and hopefully, like, hopefully crash the car in a good part of town where there's nice whips to steal, you know? Right, right, yeah. They discover that the Trill replacement host is is going to be, it's going to be there in, like, a couple of days. Like, it's, it, they're coming, but it's not soon enough to keep the symbiont alive in the meantime. And so Data's like, well, you could try stitching it into me. And they're like, Data, you're a robot. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. It is the dumbest idea maybe ever offered on the show. Like, there is nothing that makes us believe that that's a viable option. 
Yeah, it's very strange. Like, I would give my leftovers to Data to keep warm, but I would not depend on him to keep a life form warm. Yeah. Like, like in utero style. Very strange. So Riker sees how sexually magnetic Odin is with the trill. Mm-hmm. And at this moment, I think he sort of feels like this is the top of the mountain for him. Mm. Like, I've been in my sexual prime for years. I have been inside many species, but I've not had a species inside me. Do you remember the cartoon version of Transformers? Uh, You remember seeing that movie? Yeah. So the story in Transformers is there's this matrix of leadership that Optimus Prime has inside his body. Uh-huh. That makes him, that gives him all the leadership qualities that the Autobots <laughs> follow. Uh-huh. And I feel like Riker sees this as sort of a sexual matrix that he can put inside himself <laughs> to make him like Riker Miss Prime. Mm. Like, like the, the peak sexual Riker yeah. with this trill inside him. Now he can obtain consent even from the doctor who would never have granted it before. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because, Ben. It is just as insane of an idea for Riker to offer his body to do this as it was for Data. Like, this makes no sense. It's wild, but uh, but it happens. And uh, and so um, they uh, they do this operation. They, they drop this crazy-looking slug into Riker's belly. Let's describe it a little bit. It's like, uh, it's like a Nerf football-sized <laughs> thing with a little... Um, with a little tail on it, like what are yeah. those dinosaurs with the that look like little turtles with the little like ball tail on the back? Oh, I think you're thinking of Ankylosaurus. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a little baby Ankylosaur, but it's got like like lights on it and stuff. Yeah, it's got some kind of some kind of like rave paint on it. <laughs> like this thing would definitely look good under a under a black light. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you, you totally see this guy at a dead mouse show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah uh and uh I'm totally rolling <laughs> <laughs> why are you sweating ankylosaur <laughs> you're also so cold yeah oh man i would love to i would love to see an ankylosaur at a rave it'd be great yeah um, yeah he's making those shapes with mm-hmm. his hands yeah yeah and then he like passes it to its friend and you're like whoa wait is that really a shape the thing about making those shapes is that, like, that's mime, and mime is stupid, <laughs> and it's all of a sudden cool when it's at a rave. Yeah, well, as what long as you, about? as long as the opening of your pant leg is larger than the opening of the waist, right. then it's cool. As long as you have forty mini stuffed animals into <laughs> your pants. <laughs> as long as there is a glow stick in your mouth, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> So this trill gets into Riker the way a overweight person gets into a bathtub, like, <laughs> like just sort of like, like wiggles itself down, like slowly lowers itself into yeah. Riker's belly, and you see on Riker's face that things are starting to take hold. It's a bit like the way Kirk gets into the captain's chair in Generations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely with a little bit of ass wiggle. Yeah, not tailored for 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 the size of its ass. Yeah, um, but uh, it gets in there, and then Riker is on the bridge in like deep V Odan garb. Yeah, tr- trying to talk the 
governor of uh, of this planet into believing that that he is in fact the mediator that they're looking for, and he's sorry about this, you know, being a little bit secretive about this, but in fact he is also the the father figure that they thought. Uh, you know, negotiated the last peace treaty. He's like, I'm the same guy. Like it's, it's me all the way down. Uh, this is just, this is just how my species rolls. And so you it's guys are ankylosaurs gonna... all the way down. <laughs> you guys are going to have to wrap your loaf encrusted heads around this and, and get to this conference table because, you know, the stakes are too high for you to not accept this as the truth. In an episode that asks you to take everything at face value. Mm-hmm. This to me seemed like the most unbelievable part. Like in a negotiation like this, when your trust is broken, it's just over. And so what he's told both sides of the faction is that you just got to believe me. I'm the same guy, even though I look totally different. Also, I've been lying to you the entire time because, yeah. because I'm really an ankylosaur and not the deep V David Copperfield that you knew before. And yeah. I was also my father that you met. Like it's three lies in one. Yeah. And he's, and he's asking these guys to trust him now. Like, I know I lied to you before, but, but baby, you got to start trusting me. We got to, we got to keep this thing together. Listen, I know I defrauded thousands of, of honest students with my fake university. And I know <laughs> that I, uh, that I, uh, wrote off $900 million in, uh, in un- other people's money as a personal loss on my tax return. But <laughs> you just got to accept the fact that I am who I say I am. <laughs> so yeah. you guys ready to get on board the inter- Enterprise and help me drain the swamp? What's up? <laughs> and uh, surprisingly enough, these guys come to the table. Yeah. So the the episode sort of splits in two at this point, and the story is sort of in parallel. Riker slash Odan running this negotiation, and uh, Beverly kind of trying to sort through her feelings about the fact that the man she still loves is alive in the body of Riker now, and and she's like you know, a human. And so she's accustomed to the person that she loves looking a certain way on a consistent basis and uh, is not really sure what to do about the fact that uh, now he looks exactly like Riker. So like she's trying to, she's trying to drown her sorrows about this and Troy catches Do you think Odown traded up? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, it's only weird for Beverly because it's Riker. It's not because Riker's unattractive. No, yeah, exactly. What um, do you think Odon feels when he goes into the bathroom the first time and sees all those warts? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Riker is packing? Do you think he's, like, average, or do you think he's, like, in pretty good shape down there? Do you think, do you think it's an upgrade or, or a lateral move or a downgrade for Odan? I think when you are truly packing, when you are a a real stick man, I I don't think you have to try as hard as Riker seems to try all the time, like with the lines and the moves and the suaveness. Yeah. So I would tend to believe that Riker uh is compensating through this mm-hmm. and not for being not for being a little guy, but just I feel like he might be average with above average game. Okay. Fair enough. That's well, anyways, I mean. 
uh, Crusher is like is having some tea, bumming out in ten forward, and. Uh, Hey, Ben, you didn't answer the question, how big do you think Riker's dick is? Which was the question you asked me earlier. Don't leave me out here alone. Did, did you shoot it back at me? I didn't hear you say that. Well, I thought, I thought that would be... I have to answer all of the questions I pose? I would prefer that you also answer this one. I found your, I found your answer to be pretty satisfying. I think, it's, okay. I think that's pretty apt. Okay. I just don't want to be the only one with an opinion on the record of about Riker's dick size. Here's what I'll say about Riker's dick size, Adam. <laughs> I think there's an objective, you know, empirical Riker's dick size, which about which I think you're right. I think it is probably an average peen. But I think that, like, psychologically, that shit fits, you know? Like, that shit fills, oh, yeah. fills your shit up. <laughs> you know? Like, it's it's... You- there it's, are probably moments when you think it's too much, but yeah. it ends up it's just enough. It feels like a lot, but it's like it's a challenge that you want to rise to. Indeed. Well, I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> because, because it got that level of detail. <laughs> my, my, my love is a peep of longing till for that which longer Anyways. Crusher is... I'm not even going to describe the conversation between Troy and Crusher and Tenford. It's just that she's, like, trying to sort out these feelings. So Riker does a pretty good job of keeping going with the negotiations, but he's starting to kind of fall apart. And he's saying, like, no, 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 I'm fine. You know, like, he's he's telling everybody that the symptoms of, you know, like, the the trill doesn't agree with him necessarily. And he keeps saying, like, he's chilling, but his ter- his hair is telling another story. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it's it's all Crusher can do to kind of keep him alive. I feel like you got to get the clip show machine at the ready at this point when you see how mm-hmm. he's kind of circling the drain. He's getting real sweaty. Yeah, warm his it up, hair's... keep it on standby. Yeah, his hair's out of place. It's not looking good. Yeah, and this is sort of when she kind of breaks down you know like like he's he's kind of refusing any help and she goes and like tries to have a tea in her quarters and she looks at this flower that he gave her and she's like nope i'm gonna go back and get some of that d and so she goes to his quarters and uh and they get down i mean to what degree do you think Riker is in there as in like in the thoughts is he is he a passenger in this vehicle and he is also experiencing this at the same time or is he basically like in a coma the Riker part of the body is right has gone away I think is, is it being I John really Malkovich like an answer to or is yeah, it yeah. or is it like uh, is it like the Barclay episode where he like has memory of all of the actions but can't remember like why he why or how he did anything. Right, and we never get an answer to that. It's it's um, it's not even treated like an interesting question. Like we don't we don't see Riker after the trill comes out of him. Yeah. Right. And God, what an amazing! No, we. Do, I mean, he's he's like he's asleep on a bed in Six Bay. Yeah. And and the trill is in a in a jar of barbicide, <laughs> like waiting for the next. Yeah. Yeah. So so like they bang. Riker slash Odan fixes the diplomatic situation at this, at Planet MacGuffin, and then, like, 
you know, it's like kind of just in time for the the trill host to be coming. Like they they have to like beam the delegates off the ship and and go warp nine to meet the the trill ship en route, and um, and Crusher takes the takes the slug out of Riker and they're waiting for the trill to show up and uh, and who should show up to be the next host but a lady <laughs> and not an attractive lady this, mind you this really put this episode in the early 90s yeah and i feel like they peanut butter over what could truly be the issue with a pretty flimsy issue uh, yeah. the new odan the female odan walks into beverly's office after the operation and is like hey babe hey and it's, and it's like uh, and and beverly's pretty cold to the idea she's like look uh this has been a real roller coaster for me uh i've seen you in three different bodies now in the yeah. last couple of days and i've got like body whiplash <laughs> so i don't know if i can love you anymore based yeah. on what this is and what it totally disregards the gender change which i believe to be in this moment in time like contemporary to when the show was made the real issue yeah it's it's like um it's like something that is very retrograde to us sitting yeah. here in 2016 watching it and probably seemed really radical at the time yeah it's like like chasing amy if you watch that movie now you're like holy shit like this is such a bad yeah. exploration of LGBT issues. But at the time, it was like, wow, isn't it cool that we're going to an art house cinema and watching a movie that has, like, loving depictions of gay characters? <laughs> to be quite honest, most Kevin Smith films have not aged that well. <laughs> well, neither has this episode, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, like, like the... Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, the, the real issue for the Doctor is that it's a girl, not a boy. And, and like, all you need to know about that being the case is that she kind of, like, she kind of, like, looks away when they're, when they tell her the new host is about to come in. And then she turns around like a kid yeah. about to open a, a Christmas present and is immediately crestfallen when it's a, an attractive blonde and not an attractive man. That's the moment. That's the moment when you know the scene that follows is a lie. Yeah. Because she was excited at one time for the new man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, kind of disappointing. You know, I feel like uh, she needs to listen to Macklemore's seminal song, Same Love, and, uh, and think, about, think about loving the person and not the, not the gender, Adam. Do you think once the world opens up to the idea of aliens like after first contact does the whole tension between genders fall away like do you need proof of life on other planets to fully evaporate whatever that weird like gender block is with respect to uh romantic relationships i don't know because to me like this this the sci-fi future feels post-gender to me in a lot of ways. And so it felt very weird to me that suddenly Beverly that's such would a have big this issue. reaction. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
I it felt know. like a moment where the time that the show was made leaked into the time when the show is supposed to depict in a way that uh, that they couldn't stop, right? Or and, chose not to stop. And, and I mean, like it, they could have had the same the same outcome with Doctor Crusher saying something about like there are many people in my society that are very gender fluid, and mm-hmm. I wish I could get there, but I can't, I personally can't. Or something like that, you know? Yeah. Because, like, there's lots of people that are bisexual, and, like, I think that it's not... Un- like, I think research start is starting to indicate that for women, it's, like, fairly common to, to be attracted to both genders, right? Maybe Beverly's sexuality, like, is only specific to a hairstyle. Because... <laughs> Because Beverly really enjoys, like, some big, thick hair. Yeah. Jack Crusher had it. Uh, yeah. Odan had it. Riker, on certain days, has it. Sure. Yeah, she could get down with Riker. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I maybe, mean, like... Maybe I, her interests are, are that granular. I, I feel like I have, have butted up pretty hard against my fairly feeble understanding of human sexuality studies. At the end of this conversation. Um, uh, if you have some letters, I would recommend sending them to Jesse Thorne. <laughs> um, but yeah, a little bit of a sad trombone ending to this story Yeah, um, that uh, I found a bit disappointing. But um, that is the host. Do you have a, a little blinking light on your keyboard right now, I, Ben? I sure do, Adam. Let's... Uh, Let's see if we can bring ourselves to fuck this light. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first of two personal priority one messages uh, comes from Susan. Insert nickname here, Ben. So I'm going to say... Susan Lobster Hands, <laughs> and also Wilbur and Henry. Uh, and this message is for Andrew. And it goes like this Merry Christmas from your wife and guinea pigs. <laughs> Thanks for being a great guinea pig dad, putting up with my various drunk Shimodas, and for not giving up on the difficult levels in life. Here's to our continuing mission, together fueled by tea, Earl Grey Hot cuddles with the pigs and great podcasts like this one that we can enjoy together i love you wow susan oh that that is real sweet truly heartfelt it's got to be hard to take care of guinea pigs when you got those lobster hands though Uh, about half of our listeners seem to listen not contemporaneous with the release of episodes and so uh I feel like anybody that's going through here might not realize that, like, this is, these are all going out right around the holidays. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the, um, the, the holiday priority ones have gotten real, real touching, in my opinion. Yeah. Isn't that nice? It's real nice. Real sweet. Thanks, Susan. I wish, I wish I had thought to get you a priority one message, Ben, <laughs> but I didn't get you anything. I'm sorry. You sent me. You sent me a lovely card that made me and my wife laugh out loud, Adam. Oh, good. I was wondering if you got that. Yeah, it was great. Nice. Our second priority one message is from Ross, Andrea, and Sally, 
and it is for Ryan. And the special request on this message is to please read it as Kevin Uxbridge. So here we go. Dear brother, I am a doubt. An immortal being who has never used his powers to help you up until now. As you have no reliable car, I give you Durgo's shuttle from the episode Final Mission. <laughs> it is a sturdy craft with a sober pilot. Don't worry about the thrusters. They've been vetted by the galaxy's finest engineers. Don't say I never did nothing for you. <laughs> Love, Kevin. <laughs> I'm just picturing, uh, you know those Lexus commercials that they have around the holiday where yeah. they, they pull it into the into the driveway with a huge bow on it? Oh, yeah. Durgo's shuttle with a like a, a perfect red velvet bow on top? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You'd... You never see that bow in real life. No. Nobody ever does that. It sucks. Wow. Well, uh, enjoy your brand new car, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> Ross, Andrea, and Sally, and also Kevin, I guess. Yeah. Maybe take uh, it into I've... a mechanic and have it have them check the brakes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a pre-purchase inspection is probably a good idea, especially if Jordy's the guy uh, poking around under the hood. Yeah. <laughs> Safe travels, Ryan. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Those aren't grumble guts. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Uh, I did, but I kind of want to toss it to you this time. Okay. Who's your drunk Shimoda, Adam? To me, it is about a thing that this show does to convey a sense of alien wisdom, <laughs> and that is the pan flute music. <laughs> The pan flute music is back in a big way every time Odan says anything. Anytime uh, the trill is inside Riker and Riker talks. Uh, anytime discussion of the of the trill occurs, you get this this Native American pan flute motif, and it's just really condescending. I think <laughs> so. It's one of the it's one of the unlikable Shimoda moments that we occasionally call attention to. And so my Shimoda goes to the pan flute. Nice. Um, mine is, uh, is I guess, the doctor for that scene in the elevator at the beginning where she and Odan are kind of coming up with a, they're kind of riffing up a fictional reason why they can't get down to work with data. Just for the, like, unnecessariness of that. I just, like... Like data is data's stated purpose for being is that he wants to learn more about being human and concealing aspects of your biological lifestyle from him is like so unfriendly, <laughs> you know, how friendly do you want them to be? Like, do you want them to invite him over as a third? Like, uh, like that time that he stood in the corner watching somebody give birth <laughs> Beverly and Odin are in the lifestyle. <laughs> no, but I just think that like pussyfooting around it is like, like, like he's, he is never offended when somebody sends him out of the room. Yeah. So just, just, just give just it to him. Just send him out of the room. Just be like, hey, Data, like I'd, I'd prefer if you didn't share this with anybody else, but we have some private uh, mommy and daddy stuff to do right now. And uh, we'll catch up with you later. He has proven himself to be the best secret keeper on the ship. Yeah. You don't have any problem telling him that. 
Yeah, I guess she doesn't know that though, right? Because they had to wipe her memory of that. Only we know that. It's a real Gordian knot of a issue right there. <laughs> real Jordian knot. Whoa. Oh, I should have saved that for uh, a Jordy episode. Damok Angelad Tanaga. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season four, episode 24, The Mind's Eye. <laughs> Romulan forces kidnap Jordy and turn him into a killing machine. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Jordy looks like he could be a killing machine with those guns. Yeah. They're just going to turn him loose. I'm excited. Put some arm butter on that bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, me too. I remember this episode fondly. So no vetoes. Nope. I mean, we don't even have them to, to use, so. One thing we're especially fond of is the support our viewers grant our show uh, yeah. by by their regular contributions. They do that by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate uh, where they're able to support the show in sort of a monthly subscription way. That That is awesome. That is the best way to support the show. Other ways that that support takes form is through the sale of merch. So we've got a couple t-shirts out there. Uh, we've got some glassware in the works. We've got yeah. more t-shirts coming. Uh, we love making these t-shirts. And if you have ideas for what those should look like, definitely send those in to drunkshimoda at gmail.com. That's also where we answer viewer mail uh, and where people can give us their thoughts on the show. Other places people can do that is on Twitter using the hashtag greatestgen. I'm over there as at Cut for Time. Ben is there as at Benjamin A-H-R. Yeah. Uh, I think you can still slip a entry into our contest under the door. Go to iTunes and leave us a nice review. Take a screenshot of that review once it's up in iTunes. Send it to drunkshimoda at gmail.com and you're entered to win a poster and t-shirt. Um, you can even enter to win if your review is very old. Uh, it's just about getting to a thousand. That's when that's when the t-shirt and and poster prize are activated. So we want to get to a thousand reviews by the end of the year. I think we can do it. This episode will be coming out on, I believe, Monday, December twenty-sixth. So about five more days left. Yeah, get it, get it in. All right, uh, that's just about it. We should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusia for all of the other music you hear on the show. And with that, we will be back at you next time. It's another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a arm-buttered-up episode of The Greatest Generation. <laughs> <laughs>